Imagine suddenly without warning being forced into quarantine so you don't contaminate your family. Imagine suddenly without warning, you no longer have access to your normal emotional comforts. Imagine suddenly without warning, you have to give it to yourself. Imagine suddenly without warning, you go from invincibility to sheer panic in one week. This is my story on how coronavirus saved my life. How coronavirus saved my life. Episode five, the rebellion. By the time I turned 13, I was an angry, hurting, low self-worth, meaningless, no direction, scared, chaotic little girl. The only way I knew how to express myself was through my behavior. Because verbally expressing myself always had a consequence attached to it. Instead of my mom trying to figure out why I was rebellious and what was going on with me, she would just threaten to send me to my father. The father who is always drunk, surrounded by drug dealers, no boundaries, no consequences, that father. That was my punishment. And at some point, I said, bring it, bitch. My father picked me up. I was in seventh grade. He drove from Georgia. He was in the army at the time and had remarried to a younger wife. I was so ready to get the hell out of my mother's house because I felt like I was in a prison of not being able to express myself. At least with my father, I could be vulgar, cuss, say it like it is, and he would just laugh. His only role for me was, Christine, if you're going to do something illegal, just don't get caught. He drove me to Georgia, drunk, the entire time, high. We even got pulled over by a police officer and he had a beer can in his hand. They just laughed. Everywhere I turned, there was no protection, there was no safety, constant fear, constant chaos. Once we arrived to Georgia, I will say the benefit I loved about going there was being exposed to different cultures. Where I grew up, middle class, white, conservative, and only two African Americans in my grade. I got to Georgia and I was exposed to Latinos, Puerto Ricans, African Americans, and all different walks of life. Although it was a tight rope I had to walk because if I got out of that conservative white lane, then there was shame attached to that. For example, my dad lived, we lived in an apartment. I was not allowed to go swimming with the black people because it's, quote, like bathing with them. I knew how wrong and in my soul how horrible all of this was. But man, I was just fending for myself because if I stepped out of their lane, trouble would follow. However, I slowly started making friends. I had a really good friend named Sandra who was Puerto Rican. And my first boyfriend was black. My dad did not know. I had to keep it secret. And he was a very nice guy. My first boyfriend, Maurice. After a year of living with my dad and his younger wife, they'd had a baby. And my mom started calling me, manipulating me with her emotional vampire shit. And I just, again, felt out of place and was going back into that same program that she had waiting for me back in Texas. 
I finally gave in and was like, Ugh. even though in my gut, I did not want to do it. I'd rather live in this apartment with a new baby, younger wife, and a racist dad than live with a mother who constantly denied my feelings and validation and took zero accountability. My grandmother picked me up, my dad's mother, who was a toughest nails businesswoman. We drove across, at least she wasn't drunk. I suppose she wasn't at the time. And then I get back to my mom's house and I just remember going, I fucking hate this. There was nobody in the house. I was in this large, huge house and nobody was there to greet me. My grandma dropped me off. I called my mom and said I was home. It was an empty and lonely feeling. I immediately called my friends and started making my way around the party circuit. All I wanted to do was self-medicate these feelings of worthlessness, void, and loneliness. So I got right back into it. This time, I didn't give a shit what she thought. I wasn't going to hide it from her. I was sneaking cars out. I was hanging around boys, sneaking out of the house. I hung around a friend, a neighborhood friend. Her name was Christine as well. And she was two years older than me. Bad influence, of course. We would sneak out all kinds of times during the night. Full makeup on, slutty outfits, 14 years old, walking around the neighborhood. Guys would pick us up. And I would stand outside the car while she would give them blowjobs and have sex with them. Then I decided I was ready to lose my virginity. Fuck it. So I had a black boyfriend. And I didn't tell him I was a virgin. We had sex. And I bled everywhere. He later asked me, were you on your period? And I said, no. And that was into the conversation. A few episodes later of more sex, he gave me crabs. I picked each crab out of my pubic hair because who was I going to tell? Who would give a fuck what was going on with me? After that, I moved on from boyfriend to boyfriend. By the time I was 15, I was already in two different orgies. I was so lost. Then I got tired of the sex and I moved on to drugs. The first drug I did, it wasn't weed, it wasn't alcohol, it wasn't pills, it was LSD. I was buying weed for my dad for Father's Day and the weed dealer said, oh, I have purple haze, would you like to try some? I was with my friend Christine. I only, I didn't know anybody that had taken LSD except for my parents when they were younger, but no one had told me even really what it was. I knew it made you hallucinate. I took it and I was by myself hallucinating while Christine drove me around. Then she dropped me off at my dad's house. It was so crazy. I just literally gave zero fucks. I was up all night long and my dad has had worked the third shift, and so he came home at 4 or 5 in the morning 
And he immediately knew. He was like, your pupils are dilated. Are you on acid? And I said, yeah. And we sat up and watched the news together and watched the weather. And then we watched cartoons. Then I gave him his Father's Day present. No one cared. No one cared what I was doing. Nobody cared that I could have been destroying my brain. No one cared that my heart was broken in a thousand pieces. No one cared. My mom was divorced to my stepdad now, and she was moving on from guy to guy, partying. I was living back and forth between my mom and my dad's. I was dating another black guy, and my dad found out. He fucking was so enraged. He took his cowboy boots and started smashing all my cassette tapes in front of me while I was on the ground crying. He had his fists balled up in my face and called me a nigger lover and said, if you ever bring a black guy in this house, I'm going to fucking kill you. It was so scary. He looked like an animal snarling at me with sharp teeth. I was so scared. I called my mother. She didn't care. She said, well, you're with your dad this weekend. It's like story of my life from the time I was a baby. I was with my dad that weekend, which is double no protection, double volatile, double unpredictable. By the time I turned 16, I was so depressed and just so lost. I am so grateful that I have an aunt who was going through her own awareness at the time. She was going through therapy, and she saw me, and she just loved me so much because she saw a lot of herself in me. I needed someone to rescue. Someone needed to rescue me. So I moved in with my aunt, and this was the first time that I actually felt safe. But what's interesting about that and your childhood programming is safe as good and it's nice. But then your ego comes knocking and says, this isn't fun. This isn't fun. Let's go. Let's go party. So I started partying again, doing cocaine, having sex with girls, men, whatever. It didn't matter. I stopped using acid, and I was moved on to cocaine, weed, and alcohol. Then my aunt tried to set boundaries with me, and of course, my rebellion little heart didn't want those. I also respected and loved my aunt so much that I knew the path that I was going that maybe I would destroy our relationship. So I made the choice the last year of high school to live with my father because I know I could do what I want. I moved in with my dad. And his only rule this time was just graduate high school, Christine. That's all I ask, just graduate. My house was the party house. My dad would call the mothers or the mothers would call him when they wanted to, my friends would want to stay the night. He would tell them, yeah, they're in great hands. We're just going to watch a movie, blah, blah, blah. 
click hang up the phone and here comes the weed tray, the alcohol, cocaine, and the fucking music. My dad grew weed. He had a secret hidden room in his garage where he just tapped a wall and this wall would open to a door into a room where there were bins of weed and foil and fans and lights. Everybody bought weed from my dad. My dad bought weed from them. It was on and on. No sleep. Hardly any sleep. I was missing so much school. By the end of my senior year, I almost really did not graduate because I had skipped so much school. I was nervous that my name would not even be on the seat. But it was. Around this time is when I met my husband. We met at this little rave party bar thing. And he was so nice and so genuine. And I was so searching for love. I wanted someone just to love me. Because no one showed me they loved me. And no one showed me how to love myself. No one showed me that I was worth it. And when I first met my husband, Shane, the first time I have looked in someone's eyes and they're looking back and I can see real genuine love. What's interesting about life is that you think things are certain ways. You think you can predict certain ways. You think you can predict people's emotions. You think that you know what they're thinking. You think that people are reacting to you. When I looked into his eyes, I felt safe. Of course, we used lots of drugs together. But it was safe. He wasn't unpredictable. He was just fun. It got to a point where I started having panic attacks when I would smoke weed. I didn't know they were panic attacks. I just knew that I felt like I couldn't breathe and that I was so scared and I didn't know what was going on. I started getting headaches and feeling completely out of control. I thought I was having flashbacks. Finally, I called my aunt because she had been down the road of, you know, using drugs and stuff before in the past. And she said, Christine, it sounds like you're having a panic attack. She said, don't you know it runs in your family? And I was just like, what? What is even a panic attack? And she began to tell me how my mom's had them. My grandmother had them. My brother, my older brother, Danny had them. And I was just like, what? But I still continued to smoke pot because I really so wanted to have that bond with my dad. He was such a pothead. He smoked weed, smoked weed, smoked weed. And I couldn't do it because I started getting headaches. When I was a senior in high school, I was smoking weed with one of my friends. It was like two in the morning. And we would smoke weed together and listen to the Zeppelin. And I had just gotten a new car. And I get in my car and I'm driving home on these dark back roads. And I end up losing consciousness. And looking back later, I'm pretty sure I had a seizure. All I know is the next thing was 
I just saw all black and all I could see was this little blue light in the distance. And I was just like going, go towards the blue light, Christine. And then next thing I know, I'm awake and I'm slamming into a brick wall of a church. The blue light I was seeing was the stained glass on the church. I was in complete shock. I get out of my car and I walk back to my friend's. And he opens the door and he's like, what are you doing back here? I was in complete shock. I had no idea at the time I had a broken collarbone and broken ribs. Anyways, he took me back home. Um, I went to sleep and woke up and had horrible pain. I was living with my dad at the time. Um, then I went to the hospital. I called my mom and she showed up. And she was so pissed. I don't know why she was mad. She never really said. But she was being such a bitch to the doctor. She wanted to know why. Why this happened to me. And I remember him looking at me. And saying. Well I bet there are many reasons why. She got into a car wreck. She wanted him to do. A head CT. All of these blood work. And all the stuff. She was looking for all these external things to give her answers as to why her daughter got into a car wreck and broke bones. I was emotionally hurting and now I was physically hurting. So I went back to my dad's and he just, you know, was like, whatever. He ended up bringing home these two old white trash strippers home one night and I ended up talking to them and hanging out with them and I decided I'm going to go to their house apartment on the other side of town and go party with them. This was a month later after I had broken my collarbone and ribs. I didn't wear the sling. I didn't think it was cool. My bone was still broken and my collarbone and my ribs were still broken. And we were drinking and doing shots. And I remember falling off the bed. And hurting so bad. And the two strippers were arguing. One of them had teeth. One of them didn't. (laughs) About if they should take me to the ER or not. My left collarbone was swollen and almost protruding through the skin. And they were arguing about it. They ended up taking me to the hospital. And I was in a harness this time. And then I went to recoup at my mother's house for a week. She was very nice. She fed me salad and took care of me. And then took me back to my dad's. And then around, around, around we go again. I was dating my husband more. We were getting closer and having more of a relationship. And I just remember, I wanted to get the fuck out of there too. I wanted safety and security. I craved it so much. So I decided I was going to move in an apartment with a childhood friend. I move in with her. And within a few weeks, I realized she was a total enraging alcoholic. I was 18, no, I was 17 at the time. And she would sit in the dark with the heat on in the middle of summer and just drink. 
And then I come home and she would scare the shit out of me and ask me where I've been. It was like a horror movie. At the time, my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, was like, let's get an apartment. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I was so scared that he was going to turn into a monster when we moved in together. And when we moved in together, he was exactly the same. And it was like, oh, yes. Finally, safety, security. But what's so interesting about life, it is not direct. It is not a straight path. It's a motherfucking spiral. <laughs>